You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our friend, Pastor Steve Keyes. Well, what a joy always to get to be at Renovation Church in Simpsonville. I've been at Renovation Church Greenville a couple of times too, just to see both of your campuses working together to reach people for the gospel. It's just a wonderful thing to me. That was an amazing song, that last song. Man, alive. Jeffrey, I had never heard that before, but boy, that touched my heart. I guess I can still preach, but that was that song. That song got all over me, every line. I thought, well, that's about as good as it can get. Oh, when they sing another thing, it's better now. Oh, it's even better now. By the end of it, I was just kind of a mess down here on the front row, but that's okay, I guess, okay. All righty, well, I'm gonna speak to you today. This is gonna be the first message in a new series your pastor is is gonna be speaking on called Rhythms. And so he asked me to come kind of kick it off while he's gonna be gone for a week, and I said, absolutely. So this talk's gonna be called The Rest of Your Life. And I hope that you enjoy it as we start this brand new series here in this church. Well, when God created the world, there are just so many amazing things about everything he created in the six days of creation. Now, when you take the book of Genesis, first book in the Bible, the key word is beginnings. So say that with me out loud. It's what? Beginnings, okay. And there's two sections in it. There's one through 11. That is the history of the human race. And there's 12 through 50. That's the history of the, human, of the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. So in that first section here, we're gonna talk about the first book in that first section, something about the creation that's pretty amazing about this. Now, one of the amazing things to me is after all this work was done, all these things were created, the firmament, the earth, the, the, the birds of, of, the, of the sky and the fish in the sea and the mountains and human beings and everything that we see around us today that was created by God in six days was amazing. And then what's amazing to this is when he finished, the creator step back from somewhere in the universe where he was, I don't know where. He stepped back and here's what he said. Now, it's time for me to rest. And so God rested in Genesis 2, 2 through 3. Now, we used to think about rest as something that happens when we get tired. God was not tired. So what is this talking about? We're gonna get into that here in just a few minutes, but it's pretty amazing. So here's some things. The seventh day has tremendous significance for me and you now. So let's first of all be clear about what this seventh day was. God did not designate Saturday or Sunday necessarily. He just declared a seventh day. Later on in the scripture, that seventh day would be called a Sabbath Say that word with me, Sabbath. I used to think Sabbath meant Saturday. It does not mean that. People that worship Sabbath do that on a Saturday, but that's not what the word means. So we're gonna look at this. This word Sabbath means intermission or a break or a pause. It's a time for something that's been going on of a lot of activity to stop and for everything to slow down and have something called rest. And that word was the idea of Sabbath. Now you say, well, if that happened on a Saturday, how come we're here on a Sunday? Great question. I don't know, ask Jeremy. He'll be back next week. <laughs> He'll tell you. Now here's what, here's, what that, here's what happened. 
in the New Testament, the Jews, of course, started worshiping on the literal Saturday, and that was their Sabbath day, and they kind of put that together as far as Judaism was concerned. But when Jesus was here and he rose on the first day of the week, then Christians started worshiping on the first day of the week due to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how it happened. And you say, well, is that anywhere else in the New Testament, Steve? I'm glad you asked. I will show you a couple of places of where that was. In Acts 27, here's what it says. It says, on the first day, they'd gathered to begin to break bread. This was not having a meal at home. This is a church that was meeting in the home where they would have communion together and they would break bread and share it and break and have the cup and the wine and, and, and to remember the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus. That's what it's talking about in context in Acts 20. And then in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, it says they met together on the first day to give. So they came together and they gave to those that had need and they gave to have money to support people carrying the gospel and taking it all over the world. And then when you read the Revelation, it starts out with John writing the book of Revelation, says this in 1 verse 10. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and then he had all those visions that we call Revelation. So that was a Sunday as well. So you see that Christians begin to worship on a Sunday. Now, you can worship on a Saturday if you want to, fine. You can make that your rest day, that's fine. You can do it on a Sunday, what we do, generally as most Christians do, and that's wonderful too. Because here's the thing, it's not necessarily a certain day binding, but a day is. And for you to take a day, that's just a very important thing. Then we understand this. God did not rest because he was tired, but here's why. God rested because he was complete and satisfied with his creation. He looked a step back and said, it's good. That thing is shaking, isn't it? It was good, it was good, it was good. Then he created man and said, it's very good. So it's good what God did when he created everything. And he stepped back in awe of everything that he had created. And he was satisfied. And the Bible says he took a time to rest. Amazing thing about that now. So as God entered into a time of enjoyment for what he had made, so do we. So when we come together and rest on a day of the week, and most of, our, most of us today, it's on a Sunday, we do this. We're entering into God's rest by enjoying and celebrating what he has made and what he has done in our lives. So when Christians gather in churches just like yours, they're doing this, do you realize today, all over the world, people are meeting right now. In every time zone on planet Earth, Christians are gathering on the first day of the week, and guess what they're doing? They're singing. They're worshiping God. They're praying together. They're having fellowship and communion together. They're caring for each other, and they're taking a day off in their busy work-life schedule, and they're taking one day and setting it aside to be able to do what we're doing right now. You're a part of what's going on globally today on a Sunday morning, all over the planet. And that's a beautiful thing that we get to do. We're grateful for this. So since that moment of God resting until now, we get into a system of how we live our lives of what, here's kind of how it works. Basically, we usually work Monday through Friday. For some people that, of course, time is different. I understand that. You might work a different schedule split shifts, all kind of things, mornings, I don't know. But let's just say for the average person, they're working Monday through Friday, and then they have a Saturday off, usually, and then on a Sunday, make that their time when they really slow down and seek work, seek, and seek their striving and seek from working a lot on this day, and you come together in the morning so you can praise God, 
have a nice lunchtime together, perhaps with your family. Kind of slow down, maybe in the afternoon even when you get to go home. That's the thing that becomes the normal rhythm of our life. It's work, rest, work, rest. Work, rest, go to school, rest. Go to work, rest. Do things, rest. Whatever your system is, of your rhythm that you play, we all need rest. We need it on a daily basis, and we need it on a, a special time when once a week we can just catch our breath and praise God together corporately. Now, see, I can praise God as I'm listening to my Christian radio station in my car. I can play Christian music in my home, and often I do. But there's just nothing like gathering with the saints of God and hearing you guys sing. Listen, I go to a lot of different churches. You guys are a singing church. When the instruments quit playing, most churches, here's kind of what it sounds like. Let's all just sing and drop the instruments. I'm looking around saying, anybody singing in here or what? When they dropped out the instruments, y'all were letting it rip. And I thought, that's gorgeous. That's the sound of what God wants to hear from his people as you're celebrating what he's done for us by praising his name back to him on this day that we celebrate called Sunday. Beautiful thing. But for most of us, our work gets us down, man. It gets harder. Extreme pressures that we're under, deadlines that we're under, Money issues to make everything happen. We're, we're under all these kinds of pressures today. Daily drag of our work. So the day you take, which is Sunday, like today, ought to delight you. It ought to replenish your inner man to go forward and then get ready to go through your next week of work, rest, work, rest, work, rest, work, rest. Long extended rest here on a Sunday for you. And that's a wonderful thing that we can do. Now, what I'm gonna do is, uh, well, I'm gonna show you a quote, first of all. John Calvin said this. He said, it is utterly necessary for us to rest in order that God work in us. Here's something I do before I go to sleep at night. You can try this too. It often works. Ask God to give you spiritual images and visions as you are dreaming. Spiritual things. God, give me something of a spiritual thing that can help me and bless me with what I'm dealing with or going through as I'm, and God will often give me a dream in that night that the next morning I can kind of realize he kind of spoke to me that night in my rest through a dream. Ask him for that. You say, well, he never speaks to me in a dream. Have you ever asked him to? No. Oh, no wonder maybe. He said, call upon me, ask, and I, it will be given. And so that's not in my notes. That's just something I think you should try to do. Now, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna look at probably the all-star prophet in the entire Old Testament. If you had to pick a guy that starts in the world series of characters that are in this book, the Bible, it would probably be this guy, and his name is Elijah, who lived in the power of God. And believe you me, he saw some things happen that would just take your breath away. An amazing prophet of God, pretty cool. The most famous story that I really love, and I've been to Israel and saw the place where this happened, was at a place called Mount Carmel. And there at Mount Carmel, he had a conflict between him and the, the wicked king was named Ahab, wife was Jezebel, and they worshiped Baal at this time. They weren't, they weren't doing real well in the nation of Israel at all. No good kings did they have pretty much in all of Israel for all that time period. And so they were not worshiping the true God and they were worshiping Baal. I, Elijah was like a thorn in their flesh. 
things he would do, things he would say would just tick them off. So they say, we're gonna go up on top of this mountain and have a confrontation to see really who is God, Baal or this God that Elijah speaks about. So all these people gathered on top of this mountain. There were 450 prophets of Baal. There was Elijah and a few people probably there supporting him, you know, yay, let's go, Elijah. We don't have 450, but we're, here we are, yay. Hope everything works out well. And they had two altars. They had an altar here, they had an altar here. They both had a bull that they had slain and placed on top of each altar. On the first altar, the altar to Baal, the priest would gather around, and here was, the, here was the contest. Which God would send fire down to consume the animal? That will be the God that we serve. And so for in the morning hours, for several hours, these guys would chant, and they'd cut themselves, and they would plead with Baal and pray to Baal, send the fire, Baal, send. I don't know what they prayed, you know, I, I made up some funny poems about it, but I'm not gonna say those today. But uh, maybe they, they, they were crying out for Baal to come and do this. And Elijah's just over there just laughing, probably. <laughs> there's not even a real person named Baal. Maybe there's demons, but God is holding them in check. They're not gonna do anything to that pile over there. So all of a sudden, after they were done with all their shenanigans over here, Elijah said, is it my turn? Am I, am I up to bat now? okay. Let me come up to the plate here. Let's see what we can do. Okay, let's take, let's take our bull here. You guys go get a bunch of buckets of water and just go ahead and soak the bull and everything, and we'll just do that to make it harder to happen. And they soaked the bull in water. Then they dug a trench around the altar, and they did it again, so the water ran into the trench and filled up the trench. They did it one more time. He said, that's not enough water. Get one more pile of water. So buckets were dumped on the altar again, overflowing the bull onto the ground, into the trench, overflowing the trench. It was soaked. And he just stepped back. He said, God of heaven, show them who is God today. I believe a lightning bolt came out of heaven. It just probably knocked them off the ground. All the water was evaporated. Everything was consumed in a matter of a few minutes and it was all on fire. 450 prophets of Baal were slain that day. And Elijah had won that victory. Now you would think, coming after the Super Bowl of all times, you know, of games, I mean, he was the grand prize winner here for sure. You think he'd be living on the mountaintop for weeks to come on that particular miracle? I think I would. I'd want to. That ain't what he did at all. So you say, well, why are you talking about this guy? Okay. He got a message from Jezebel, wicked king Ahab's queen, and she sent word to him that said, I heard about the contest, I don't like the result and I'm coming to kill you. And when he read that message, or either heard that message, fear began to grip him. And no matter what victories you've had in your life, if you take your eyes off God for any amount of time and start putting it on your circumstances, every way you feel can change in a heartbeat. And so his eyes weren't anymore on the God of heaven, it was on Jezebel and her message, and he was afraid of her. This guy? Yeah, this guy. Pretty amazing. So what did he do? He ran. He tucked up his toga and took off running about 15 miles. This was the first Ironman competition ever held in the history of Israel. 
And our winner was gold medal for Elijah in the first third of our events. Now, that didn't happen, but he ran fast and went to run away as fast as he could from her. Here's what he was going through. Look on the screen. Four things were happening. He was physically exhausted. You ever been physically exhausted? It's an easy time to take your eyes off of God when you are. How about the second one? Emotionally spent. You ever been emotionally spent? <sighs> well, you say, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't know how I'm gonna make it. Uh, and you, you're just in, a, that's what he was like. It was the aftermath of a victory, way up here. Now he was way down here, submitted to self-pity. He started looking inside about his own self and taking his eyes totally off God in the miracle that just happened. That's somehow the way that we get. Here's what the Bible says. Psalm 103 says, for he knows our frame. It's talking about our physical bodies. He knows our frame, listen carefully. He remembers that we are dust. What are we? Dust. We were made, Adam was made from the dust of the ground. And here's an important thing about this whole story. As mad as he was about the situation, God never rebukes him. That's fascinating to me. I think it was one of my kids doing that. I said, what in the world are you thinking? Didn't you see what just happened over here? No, that's not how God acted toward him at all. Didn't rebuke him. He didn't ignore him. He didn't say, well, I'm getting rid of you, prophet man. He didn't do that either. He just let him rant. That's fascinating to me. Let's look at the scripture. 1 Kings 19, three through four. Here's what it says. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I'd just as soon die, Lord, right now. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He is now most depleted, vulnerable before God, fatigued, depressed. You call it whatever word you want, but he was a mess. And he was just sitting there. In a, now he was all alone. He's around this cave area, and he said these words to God. Watch these words. I've had enough. Would you say those words with me out loud? I've had enough. Turn to the person beside you and tell them you've had enough. I've had enough. <laughs> How many times in my life have I had enough? More than I can count. Yeah. Something bad happened? Oh, come on. This can't get any worse than this, and it does. The next day, it's worse. Well, that's, that's got to be the end of it. And the next day, it's worse. And you're either shaking in your boots, maybe even your fist toward heaven, saying the same thing to God. Maybe not out loud, just in your quiet spirit. <laughs> or maybe you scream at him, I've had enough. Take away all this pain. Take away this heartbreak. Take away all this problem I'm having in my family, in my finances, in my physical body. Whatever it is, we often say that. We often say it in a state of sadness or depression before, but thank, listen carefully, thank goodness we serve a God of mercy 
and grace and compassion, who knows that we're nothing but a pile of dirt and that we're human. And he said, you're gonna have trouble and you're gonna have tribulation. But not, not like that, God, for me. Surely not like that for me. But he has mercy on you when you're like that because you're his child. I think it breaks his heart when we respond like that. He wants to see us renewed again and like the, like the eagle and soar again. And, but when we're down in that place, he doesn't, he doesn't do that to, he doesn't discard you either. First Kings 19, five says this, then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. Now when he woke up, <laughs> it wasn't like what happens in the morning when I usually wake up. There was an angel there standing right over him ready to serve him some heavenly breakfast. Plate in his hand. You had a good sleep, Elijah? Here, got something for you. It's a Waffle House all-star breakfast. Two eggs, bacon, hash browns, the food of heaven. It was, it was, right, it was right, there, right there in his hand and said, take this and eat, take this and eat. And he gave him that food, which is amazing to me, Look at the story in the Bible. I just, this one kills me. Well, look at this. It says, all at once, the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals, a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him. This time he touched him and said, get up and eat. So this is his second meal. For the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights till he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. Okay. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do, I'm gonna tell you the secret to this. Sometimes when people preach and teach here, Jeremy, me, whoever, you, might, you may not remember much of what we say as pastors but when you walk out those doors today, I want you to remember this. Okay, this is the most important spiritual lesson that I see in this story. Here's what it is. Eat a snack, take a nap. Okay. I want everybody on this side of the room over here, you're the, you're the food people, say, I want you to say, eat a snack. Ready? Eat a snack. I want you people to say what? Take a nap. One more time, eat a snack, take a nap. The most spiritual thing you can learn from today is that. Reader's Digest, current issue, hero pet issue. There's a whole article in here on the value of napping. What it does to your physical body to replenish and rejuvenate you. Yeah, we're too busy. I ain't got time for no nap. I got like a whirlwind all the time. Slow down. Eat a snack, man. Take a nap. I went to a conference last week in um, Virginia, Williamsburg, Virginia, for Walk Through the Bible, donor conference we have once a year. Pretty amazing conference. About 90 people there raising money for Walk Through the Bible. I see Tony and Chris up there, Walk Through the Bible instructors with me. Tony, do you know this? I saw that crowd and they said a bunch of people, we used to have about 200 people come, we only had 90 people come this time. I looked at the crowd and said, well, 
may not raise a lot of money for our overseas missions with this smaller group. They raised $1.2 million to take the gospel all over the world. And I saw that and just went, you know what I did after I heard that good news? I went to lunch and went back to my room and I took a nap. And I felt just rejuvenated again about the ministry. I was kind of discouraged. We only got 90 people here. That's 45 families. I don't know what we can raise here. <laughs> and then God came through. Take a nap and feel a lot better. So that's what you can do. Now, I know some pastor friends who say this to me. I've heard them say it over and over. I don't ever take a vacation because my people need me. I don't, I don't take a vacation. My people need me. Now, here's the truth. A lot of pastors are like that. They burn the midnight oil at both ends. You realize that in this church, they probably have 400 families that could call them 24-7 any time of the day they want and get a hold of one of the pastors here. And they can be on call like that all the time. Pastors can live in a very driven and very busy and needy world. But make sure you rejoice that your pastors take some time off weekly and take some time off yearly, which is important. The more exhausted you are does not make you more spiritual. I'm glad Jeremy's gone today on a vacation. He knows to take some time away and the church provides that for him and all your staff. Rejoice that they get to do this. Don't burn out, don't rust out. Either way, you're out. That's not what God wants for you to do. It's not unspiritual to care for our physical bodies for our mental health, for our emotional frame that we live with. It's, not, it, it's perfectly okay to do this. Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. Get busy, work yourself to the bone and know that I am God. It doesn't say that. Do more for me, just keep doing and doing and doing. No, 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 no. Is there a time to work? Is there a time to do? Absolutely. There's a time to do this too. Just step back. Be still, know that I'm God. I hope you'll do that. The Hebrew word for still is the Hebrew word rafa. It means this, to relax, to let go, to slow down and cease striving. In other words, rest. Let God give you his divine rest as you lay your head on your pillow to go to sleep at night and as you take some time, maybe on a Sunday afternoon, to lay your, hand down, lay your head down and take a nap, that God would give you great rest to replenish and rejuvenate you because you need it. Desperately, we need it. A lot of people aren't in church today. Do you know that? Greenville today, it's got a lot of churches, a lot of people in them, but there's a lot, a lot of people that never darken the doors of any church in this town. Many of them used to go. For some reason, they're burnt out. They quit. Quit on God. Quit on God's people. They don't come anymore. Other people never had come. They're far from God. They don't even know why we're doing this. What are you doing here? They think we're all kind of nuts and wacko. Truth is, many times we are, but that's okay. But that's who we are. But they, they just don't know what we're doing. What are you you're doing weird? You're going weird? I have a neighbor like this. He just doesn't understand why we get up and see our car drive out on Sunday morning. Waves to us, walking the dog, working in the yard. He never darkens the door of a church. He thinks we're nuts. But unfortunately, many people, many Christians today tend to worship their work. You've heard this before. 
or work at their play or play at their worship and don't have time to worship God, don't have time to go to church on Sunday morning. It's not in my schedule. It's not in my way, my calendar. It's not the way I want to live my life at all. I want to have every day for me, myself, and I. And that's the way many of us are. Gordon Dahl said this, when people do this, their meaning and values are distorted. Their relationships disintegrate faster than they can keep them in repair, and their lifestyles resemble a cast of characters in search of a plot. Pretty sad. Pretty sad. So today, what will you do this week as a result of what you've heard and what you hopefully have learned? How about doing this? How about having a sacred space where you do take time for Sabbath, where you do take time for a day of the week when you focus on worshiping God and giving and loving and coming to a church like this to receive fellowship and then leaving the doors in a few minutes and going home, having a nice meal, maybe talking to family relationships, having some friends over or something, laying down a little bit, resting a little longer on a Sunday to start your busy work day again on a Monday. To do that, solitude, some time alone with God, and then simplicity. It's not real hard. Get a devotional book. I can recommend a bunch to you. Jeremy can too. And read a little devotional book and read God's word. And sit back still after you read it and let him speak to you. Let him, let him do that to you. A lot of times we're so busy we can't hear his voice. But he's speaking all the time. He's speaking to us through his word. He'll speak to you through dreams. He'll speak to you through circumstances and through nature and through situations he'll speak to you. He'll speak to you in a still small voice like he ends up doing with Elijah in the later part of the story. He says the Lord wasn't in the earthquake and he wasn't in the fire and he wasn't in the rainstorm that pummeled him in the cave. It said, but he came to Elijah in a still small voice and said, get up and go. And he spoke to him clearly. The same God who spoke to Elijah like we were singing about, the same God is the same God we serve today. I love that song and I think I'll go out singing it all the way to my house today. That the God that did this in the past will do this for me right now in the future. And I loved it. So what are we gonna do this week? We're gonna rest. You're gonna wake up replenished. You're gonna feel a little differently. Maybe restored Maybe you'll feel a little fresh, a new step that you'll have, a, you'll have a spiffy step as you're walking forward and all. And see if that doesn't help you become a more dedicated and true follower of Jesus. So the two things you were supposed to learn from coming today was number one, what? Oh, thanks so much. What's the first thing? I think you're supposed to eat a snack. We're going to try to get her. I'm going to give your role to these people over here, okay? Okay, well, you're supposed to do what? Yeah, and what over here? Two great things for you to do today as you leave. So here's what we're going to do. In a moment, we're going to stand. You might say, you know what? I have not been doing this real well. If you haven't, people are going to be down here that can pray with you and help you this week to get a, 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 new, strength, a, a new grip on the idea of taking rest taking it seriously with God. And so if that's been something that you think I, I, somebody can kind of pray for me and help me about that, they're gonna be down here as we leave. And I hope that maybe some of you will come. If, you need, if God spoke to your heart and said, you don't do this real well, come here and let somebody just pray for you just to encourage you along your journey. They'll be here to help you. For everybody else, you'll be able to be dismissed and go get your kids and stuff. I'm so glad you came today to Renovation Church. 
Hope this has been a help to you. And then Jeremy will pick up this series next week talking about the rhythms of life as well. My joy to kick it off for you guys for this morning. God bless you, and we'll see you. Bye-bye. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.